Good evening, everybody, and welcome to On Texas Football, the Sunday night live stream. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined each and every Sunday night by Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, both of On3 and InsideTexas.com. And guys, what we're about two, three days away from fall camp. Recruiting is in full swing still. I mean, it was a big weekend for Texas for 2025 uh, prospects mainly, but also a lot of the kids they were, you know, that they're recruiting took visits elsewhere and uh, some big visits actually. So, Jerry, why don't you fill us in on the latest on what you're hearing from guys like Colin Simmons, TJ Lindsay, Wardell Mack, and those type of guys? Yeah, I mean, these kids are still fresh off the visit. Um, I mean, one thing to know, Texas knocked their visits out of the park. LSU's going to do the same. AM's going to do the same. We rarely hear about guys having bad visits. If guys have bad visits, it's normally something really bad has gone wrong. Um, so, look, I mean, not much has changed with Colin Simmons. I mean, the, the timeline is likely to move up. Uh, I think that's why he visited LSU. Um, there's a push within his circle to uh, make a decision before his senior season. We'll see if he bucks that or, or kind of rolls with that here coming up in the next week or two. Um, he'll have his own day. He'll do it his way. He's not going to commit on the same day as other guys. He's going to have his own deal. Um, this recruitment's right where we said it was going to be for the last few months. I mean, it's it's LSU versus Texas. And, you know, Colin said that in Nashville at the On3 Elite Series, um, NIL Series. He said it's, those are the top two, and nothing's changed that. So um, it's really a big boy recruiting battle. He was always going to stay close to home. Um, so we'll see which way uh, the family pushes a little bit on this and um, ultimately what Colin decides. I mean, you know, uh, Brandon Baker, Texas, Ohio State is what one source thinks. One other source thinks Oregon's still in the mix. I think it's one of those three. Nebraska's all in. They're trying to get them to visit during the season. There's no set timetable for Brandon Baker as of earlier today. These things change all the time. Uh, but, I, you know, Texas really – Good chance there. Uh, Kobe Black was at AM this weekend, um, scheduled to be at LSU for an official visit September 9th. Um, I, I believe he's going to fall in line with some of those other guys, end up being close to home. So Texas, Texas A&M, LSU. LSU's got a lot of defensive backs. Um, you know, Texas is right there. Uh, and Wardell Mack out of Marrero Eric was at Florida this weekend for a couple of days, did not go to LSU on Thursday. Um Look, I, I spoke to somebody on the Florida side. They think they're very much in it, and they thought Texas was actually their main competition. They worry more about if he commits to it, Florida or Texas, here coming up in the next couple of weeks with Wardell Mack, what happens with LSU as the season moves along because he's so close down there. Um, Florida State said to have an outside shot. We'll see. I think he's going to play in the SEC. Um, Dominic McKinley was at LSU this weekend. Uh, or was with there Friday with his mom, little brother, Darius McKinley, who has offers from all um, all the same schools that uh, Dominic's uh, considering. Look, Dominic's going to move his timeline up from everything we're hearing, commit before his senior season. That's really what the family wants him to do instead of taking it to the Under Armour game. Uh, did LSU do enough? They were playing from behind, at least within a circle. Um, I think Texas and Oklahoma were the top two coming out of June visits. I haven't heard that change headed into mid-July. But now we'll see what happens after the LSU visit. I think AM's in the mix, but I'm not sure they're as high as Oklahoma and Texas are. We'll see on that. I think Texas has the academic athletic combination the mom likes. She's been in education 23 years. This will be year 24 for her. Uh, so she likes one of the things she said to me at Bergstrom Airport when they were leaving town was uh, that 
she knows the graduation rates have gone up for defensive alignment since Sark's been at Texas. Well, that sounds like somebody who's in that who's in education that uh, really searches those things out or Texas is smart enough to know what she's looking for in a recruitment outside of football. Um, but I think Dominic will, you know, he'll, he'll have his decision um, here coming up in August at some point. Um, you know, so Ryan Wingo was at A&M this week and he was at Tennessee, was at Missouri this week. Uh, I think Texas is in a pretty good spot there. Texas, Tennessee, Missouri, I think are the top three. Um, I don't think he's definitely, he's definitely not locked in the stand in the state. I think Texas has a good handle on that recruitment. He continues to say December timeline. We'll see. I mean, uh, all these kids seem to be moving it up. Um, so we'll, we'll see on that, uh, where things go, but that's, that's pretty much the, I mean, there's a few other guys and I'm sure you guys will have questions, but that's kind of like the latest on some of those guys. Yeah, Zena Umio Zulu was at A&M, right? He was at A&M well. this weekend. Yeah. That's one that, you know, Texas has felt good about, um, you know, we'll, uh, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there, but being back, back at A&M, I mean, so that recruitment, like we've been saying this Oklahoma and A&M are recruiting Zena, like he's still in play. They consider him a Texas lean, but they also think he's still in play. So by him going to AM this weekend, that uh, that rings true. Somebody asked about Paul Martinez, asked about Marcel Anderson, a Juco corner. He hasn't have any offers yet. There you go. So that's not a that's not anything serious at all. He was just he was more hopeful that Texas will recruit him than reality of Texas recruiting him as of right now. All right. Well, thanks for giving us the rundown on all the big boy recruitments, as you say. And Bobby, as I said, to uh... recruit recruit through the whistle I brought into this show a couple of years ago in Inside Texas. And that's really where we're at right now. (laughs) Well, Bobby, as I said at the beginning of the of the show, you know, um, we're what we're two days from them reporting, three days from the from practice really going. What are some of the you know storylines that you're looking for, keeping an eye on as we head into this first week of practice? Well, I, I really think it's how Sark manages the offense um, and the strength of it uh, this year. And I, I wrote this on Inside Texas today. The receivers are the strength of this offense. I mean, there's just – they've got four guys that are upperclassmen that are NFL players. Four. I mean, there have been years where Texas didn't have one upperclassman that was an NFL receiver. Um, and so I look at that and I think, okay, how is Sark going to develop this and part of that is how is Quinn Ewers going to develop with him? And I I think that Quinn, Quinn Ewers needs to learn how to be a distributor this year more than a gunslinger. Last year, I think he had to be a gunslinger because, frankly, nobody else stepped up to really help him uh, other than Bijan and Roshan. Xavier did sometimes, but he there just wasn't that grouping there. This year, it should be a little bit different. Uh, they're going to go with more receivers on the field, we believe. Uh, and so I think looking for Quinn to be a distributor as opposed to a gunslinger and how that plays into the offense. Uh, then I, I think the other piece that I'm, I'm really anxious to see is how Texas plays defense in general. I think there's some key losses. I really think Moro Ajomo was a, maybe a bigger loss than DeMarvian Overshone, even though DeMarvian went earlier in the draft. Um, and the reason why is because Moro was a versatile defensive lineman. He could play three or five for Texas. And so he gave them some time there uh, when he gave Baron Sorrell a rest, for example. He gave the other defensive end at the time, a gofu at times. He gave, he allowed Sorrell to switch side. I mean, there's just all kinds of things there that, that he allowed that Texas doesn't have that guy this year. 
asking Vernon Broughton or Alfred Collins to do that. They just don't hold up the run against the run the same way outside like that. So th- those are those are a couple of the big things for me at, at this point. Obviously, the middle of the offensive line needs to get settled. I, I think I'm a little worried about uh, the secondary. I mean, I think Michael Taft and Keaton Crawford are good backups, but the minute if they get pressed into starting duty, all of a sudden there's a tick down there that you don't want to see. Um, and so things like that are, are my concern. And, and that, you know, definitely we all want to be on the lookout for injuries because that's just the, that's the worst thing that can happen to, to, to a team lose two guys like they did last year, Nayor and Anglau in the same practice. So uh, we got to be, be on the lookout for that. Thought they almost lost Roshan for, uh, right. You know, yep. better part of the season until he came back. So uh, those are the types of things that we, we've got to be uh, on high alert for. Hey, somebody asked what, uh, a recruitment that went really bad. Um, somebody asked about, that. OK, so you could have back in the old days, um, minor in possession. <laughs> I mean, you could have MIP, you could have arrest, you could have uh, prospect going after player girlfriend and getting in a fight. I mean, we've heard them all over the years. Okay. I mean, there's, there's ways that can, things can go bad. Uh, here's another one, not showing up for things, you know, on your visit, but that's more of a red flag. It's that's going bad, but that's more of a red flag. But I mean, we've heard it all over the years, Bobby. Fraternity fights. Yeah. With the football teams, that sort of stuff yeah. happens, <laughs> happens more than you'd want to know. Uh, but, you know, the reality of it now, that stuff happens and it's on Twitter immediately. Back then, you could, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, back in the 80s, it was like, oh, they got in a fight. Oh, did they have fun? You know, it, it's, it's no longer a big, it wasn't this big to do. It's, it's just more of a, how media has changed uh, everything. Hey, Blake, I need to say thanks. And, and I want to say thanks to our, our sponsor, if you don't mind. Yeah. Uh, real quick. The Sunday night live stream by on Texas football is brought to you by the Cross Oak group. Cross Oak is one of the leading government affairs firms in Texas, specializing in lobbying, political communications, business development, and regulatory compliance. These days, government finds ways to impact nearly every aspect of your business with decades of experience ranging from the state house to the white house. Cross Oak group helps its clients hedge risk and protect and grow their bottom lines to, more, to learn more, go to www.crossoakgroup.com. We appreciate uh, their sponsorship of the Sunday Night Live stream. They've been with us now for a month or so, and uh, we do appreciate those guys over there at crossoakgroup.com. Hey, Blake, before we go on to the next subject, I want to grab uh, something that was really happening on Friday yep. that we haven't had much of a chance to talk about other than Friday afternoon. Jerry, you wrote an update about Gary Patterson on Friday afternoon. Yeah. Someone had erroneously reported that he had accepted the job. We found that tweet was deleted. We then, uh, uh, you then posted a a comment that he had not made a decision. Uh, As of right now, we do not know that he has made a decision one way or the other is uh, what I've got as the latest. Jerry, uh, is that that where you're at? Yeah, I reached out to somebody at 345 today and no decision yet. Um, obviously it, it has to come in the next 24 hours. I mean, but no decision yet. Uh, but uh, Gary's still uh, mulling his options as you wrote. Yep. Uh, yeah, that was actually going to be the next question I asked you guys. So I'm glad we got that settled. And that gives us time to jump into the uh, 
viewer questions here and there's plenty of them and don't forget guys you got plenty of time also to get more questions in so please do so and hey, like, uh, like one of the things i want to say so if guys yeah. will, um want to ask on the comment section one of the things when you're at the recruiting event like thursday where they had a lot some top junior kids and sophomore kids come in i all the players from the team generally walk by so if people have questions on how some of the guys look i think i probably saw 75 percent of the team walk by thursday so i can give you all some updates on physically how guys look i can tell you dj campbell looks unbelievable right now physically unbelievable you probably just opened the floodgates on some of those questions. <laughs> that was the plan. <laughs> hey, the floodgates, by the way. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> pun intended. Well, I guess well, pun there's intended. a shirt opening the floodgates. That's a show on uh, on Texas football. <laughs> All right, guys. Our first one is going to be a super chat from Cinco de Mayor. And uh, he says, the Mike January interview was great. And it was, Bobby. He's right there. Ultimately, how impactful are the academics and alumni network in a recruit's final decision? I, I'm going to take this, Jerry. Often, yeah. they're not taken into consideration enough. That's my that's my feeling as someone that's, you know, 53 years old now. Uh that it, someone that it was really interesting. If you, you got a chance to watch the Mike January interview or Michael January interview, one of the things that, that he talked about uh, was that they still have a circle of friends and alumni group that if someone, one of their ex teammates has lost a job, needs a job, they're still out there working for one another, trying to pass along, uh, get the word out that he, he needs a job and or needs a, you know, needs a new start somewhere, et cetera. These guys go, you know, they're not just teammates for one or two years. It that that's the and so when when Lou Holtz used to say this all the time, it's a forty it's a forty year decision, not a four year decision. And that's one of the things Michael January was was saying, and he was very proud of the fact that he chose Texas and how they come together. And you know, for my part, uh, academics are what you make of them. You could be at any school in the country and, and get a good degree, get a 4.0, go to a great law school, where, wherever you want to go, just about. Um, the alumni network is different. The Texas alumni network is more powerful than any in the state of Texas, than any, uh, I would put it up there with any in the, in the country. And so when that gets put out there and somebody is intrigued by that, I immediately think Texas uh, stands a great chance. Uh, yes, there are other schools that have great alumni networks. Don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting here downing those. It's just there's Texas is second to none, if that makes sense. There may be others up there, but anyways, I, I think that it's 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 often not ranked highly enough, Cinco de Mayor, unfortunately. That's my that's my pitch uh, to it. Hopefully my kids are, are listening to me as I say this too, by the way. Uh, just to answer one question, Stoneman, I didn't see Charles Luster's ceremony, but I will watch it. All right. Uh, this next question I'm going to jump to is um, an interesting one. I, I like the question here. It's from Brandon Ralston. And Love he says, it. who becomes our next Roshan Johnson? Someone that demands excellence. Uh, it's a great question. Texas was lucky. They had two guys last year, Rashawn Johnson and Serge Abari Rice in basketball. They actually had two on campus at the same time, which is – that doesn't happen very often. Um, I think it's a great question, and I think it's probably – Bobby, I don't know if anybody off the top here – there is no body like Rashawn Johnson. I mean, first of all, nobody go, comes into Texas as a quarterback 
volunteers to go to running back, never looks back, and is the leader of a football team without even being a starter. That's just doesn't happen. So that's why I said Jabari Rice was the same. That just doesn't happen. So Texas was very lucky to have two guys like that on campus. I don't know if you have anybody. I'm not sure that person's kind of presented themselves that's going to be close to that right now, Bobby. I don't know if you have a thought. Not So, you know, there's thoughts that maybe it would be Jordan Whittington, Jatavian Sanders. I'm not so sure this one won't come from the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Byron Murphy. Yeah, is the that's, one a good, that, that's a good call. That's actually a good call. You know, Byron Murphy is the one that, I mean, everything I hear is he's the alpha. Yeah, that's true. Um, and, and I'm not taking anything away from Jalen Ford, by the way. No. Um, or or, Jay, Jay, or uh, Whittington or Sanders. Byron Murphy, I mean, I think a lot of people think he plays every snap like it's his last, which is what Rashawn Johnson did. Right. I mean, that, that's I don't know how else to describe great point, Bobby. Rashawn than that. And so uh, that would be my one. But, you know, could there be other guys that we're not thinking about right now? I don't know. I mean, so hopefully there's one on offense. Hopefully Quinn becomes one on offense or Jatavian come, becomes one or you just don't know. Uh, Christian Jones. I mean, it could be Kelvin Banks, although I don't think he's the vocal guy necessarily. Um, to your point, Bobby, um, somebody uh, very, very, very close said this about Byron Murphy. You don't with him. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> if that tells you anything. <laughs> and that should tell yeah, I, you something. <laughs> I don't think you'd do that with Rashawn either, by the way. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you guys have seen, but the Chicago Bears, they put out a, uh, a YouTube deal called Meet the Rookies, and they go in-depth on Rashawn. And they talked to us to Coach Choice and to his uh, former high school coach. And man, it's, it really gives you some good insight on just what he brings to the table off the field. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it was a really good, good, really well done piece. Hey, sure. And Byron Murphy's great because he's always been at DeSoto, his good friend Shamar Turner's next to him is, is the five star. And Byron's the high three star, maybe four star. He comes to Texas. That chip on his shoulder, he presents the right way in his work ethic and with his play and not the wrong way. Um, so he's always been the underdog in his mind, right? Alfred Collins, everybody's ranked higher than him on the uh, – Keandre Coburn, everybody's ranked higher than him, the guys he plays with, the guys he lines up against in Alabama. Those guys are all ranked high fives and four five, – five stars and high four-star guys. That stuff really matters to him. All right. Well, our next question, guys, is from Bristol Wilhelm. And he says, what's the structure of fall camp? What happens week one, two, et cetera? When do they start game prep for Rice and likely Alabama? Uh, they, the first two weeks literally are getting your feet underneath you, getting you up to speed. First couple of days, you can't even be in pads, true pads and helmets. So, or you can be in helmets, I think, but no pads, no contact. Um, so really the, the first week, first full week, that second week is when they start getting in some real work when they're still giving, here's what really happens. The freshmen, the true freshmen are still getting time. The third and fourth teamers are still getting equal reps all the way up into two, until two weeks out from the first game. Once they break that final two week, you know, seal from then on it's rice, it's Bama it's probably Baylor and Kansas. 
they'll probably work on some of all of it for the next two weeks, uh, Wyoming as well. And so uh, essentially the first two week and a half to two weeks are all just everybody's trying to get together, trying to create a team. And then from then on, two weeks in, it's over. It's time to go go play ball. Who can we use? Who can we not use? Who's ready? Who's not? That's that's the that's generally the game plan. Well, guys, our next one is a super chat from Justin Yarbrough. I want to thank him. And he says, what will the floor and ceiling be for Colton Bostic? I don't expect him to play this year, but I think he'll be a, he'll have a very good career. And Jerry, I'm still hanging tight for the Sark interview. <laughs> um, you know, Cole, I, I'm not going to say I don't expect him to play this year. Um, being an early enrollee gives you a chance. Um, and especially at a position that is behind Baron Sorrell or it's still a little unsettled. There's opportunities there. So I'm not going to say Colton won't play this year. Um, I, I I would say being early and really gives them a chance. Somebody also asked Bobby about a freshman other than Anthony Hill we could see start this year. Um, you have any thoughts on that? Because that was kind of following long, along with Vosick. To me, maybe, you know, look, center Baxter is going to be a second team running back probably, right? I mean, could he start a game? Maybe. If there's an injury at wide receiver, could – Ajante Cook or DeAndre Moore start a game, maybe. Um, you know, I, I'm looking at – it's going to be – outside of Anthony Hill, it's probably going to be injury. This is a pretty experienced team with a lot of guys returning. Maybe Malik Muhammad if there's an injury corner, right? I mean, that's kind of what I'm – not that those guys can't push and get on the field. They're going to get on the field, but somebody asked about starting. Without, without injury, I agree with you. Without injury, I, I absolutely agree with you, Jerry. I think it's I, – I don't – they're not that – they're not that weak at this point. I will say this, um, you know, Ethan Burke, so if, if Vosick somehow went over there and, and tried to go at it that side, um, you know, we'd, we'd see it a little bit more. But um, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know that Texas is, is weak enough that – I, like I don't even think Anthony Hill will start start in games this year. Situation. Not until not until maybe later in the year. Um, I think he's going to be a situational nightmare uh, for other teams potentially. Uh, but you know that's not abnormal. I tell you, the one that keeps coming up is if Jalen Catalan can't go. I mean, you've got I mean Warren Roberson. They say this looks terrific. So. I don't know what to say other than I, I'm like, it's like beating a dead horse with this guy uh, because he has been brought up so much and, and wasn't considered one of those highly ranked guys that, that uh, Jerry was talking about. So I, I don't that, know. That I don't actually, think it's going to be on the offensive line. I don't think it's a tight end. Said Baxter could, uh, if injury, I, Cook and Moore, both injury maybe. Um, after that, I don't see any of the defensive linemen. I don't, only Anthony Hill at linebacker. I don't know. I mean, it, by the way, in special teams is different. You could be a starter on kickoff. I'm not sure that's what we're really talking about here. Yeah. Well, that's going to lead me to my next question, which is along the same lines. And it's from JW Crunch. And he says, who do y'all think will be the most impressive freshman this coming season? Well, I think it's going to be Anthony Hill due to opportunity. And bringing being a really good downhill player and what Texas really needs, I think he fits what Texas needs. So I think that really gives him an upper hand. And I think being an early enrollee, he's physical. I saw he walked by Saturday, looks good physically. I mean, he looks like a guy 
is probably a second-year college player physically, so I think he's ready to roll. Um, you know, I, I don't know about you, Bobby. I, I, I Look, I, I think Cedric Baxter is going to be impressive. He walked by. He looks good. Now he's going to keep blowing up. Um, but he looked good. Be, I, I tend to look at the early enrollees, guys who August isn't going to be like, whoa, what the heck just happened to me type of situation. I think those guys got their feet wet this spring, um, and I think they're going to be ready to push. Uh, Jonte and DeAndre Moore are going to play, and, and I think they'll do well when they get targets and opportunities. I've got to say my guy that outside of outside of Anthony Hill, I think who who will make an early impact in, in, in those first five games, I think that the most impressive freshman, and this includes all of them, outside of maybe Anthony Hill, is Sadir Mitchell. Um, I know that sounds weird because he didn't do much. You know, it's just he is so big, guys. I mean, I don't think people realize. I mean, he's six, six, four and a half, six, five, three fifty. I mean, he's a he's a huge person, and he is going to be so important to them in the middle of the defense in certain times if he can get there by say he's ready mid-year. I, I, I know that. It's still that that could be a guy that actually starts three years at Texas. I mean, he's he's that talented and that physically gifted. But we'll let's see how it goes. And I, to I your point, Anthony Hill, though. But and to your point, Bobby, they play hot games the first few weeks of the season. They're going to play a six man rotation on the defensive line. He's going to get snapped. Point. They're he hot needs, games. <laughs> he, I mean, he needs to because I'm yeah. telling you, if he can, if they can find him time in the right points. Uh, boy, I mean, he's impressive. Now, you, you stand next to him. He's an impressive dude. Yeah. Well, we're going to stay on the uh, true freshman train here for just a second, guys. But this super chat's from UT yeah. Boy, and he says, Bobby, talk to me about Jonte. I, I love Jonte. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting. I think that I'm trying to – I think that the best route runner Texas has had at his age, with one exception, Jordan Shipley. Yeah. Th- those two were are different route runners at the same age than e- even Xavier Worthy, good route runner as a true freshman. Everybody, I mean, but that a lot of that is his ability to start and stop. Un- yeah. That's kind of freaky. Jonte is as polished as a, as you're going to be in some situations. I mean, he's not perfect. He's still young. He's still learning how to compete at that level. Um, but Combine that with some ability that he has. Like, I mean, he's not the fastest guy on the, the team, but he's not exactly slow, if that makes sense. He's not the, the biggest guy on the team, but he's not exactly small. It, it's just he does a lot of nice things uh, that I think long term are going to be really well. And I just I feel like he did a good job getting himself ready for college football, a really good job. All right. Well, guys, uh, actually, Jerry, this next one's for you, and it's from UT Boy as well. We want to thank him again. He says, Jerry, do you agree if we get Simmons, things will fall into place? Yes. (laughs) That's an easy one. I mean, I'm not trying to be a smart ass, but yeah, I mean, that that would um, get the ball rolling downhill. I think that would help with Kobe Black. I think that would help with Brandon Baker out West. I mean, that does a lot for you. Um, if if he makes a decision here in the next couple of weeks and it happens to go Texas way over LSU, that's gonna that that's gonna be that would be a big deal for Texas. I'll say that. Yes. 
Okay. Hey, Jerry, what, what, let me ask you a follow-on to that. A yeah. guy on uh, uh, Inside Texas wants to know if you still feel good about your 65% crystal ball slash RPM pick. I know Eric's even higher than that. What What's your your take on that? Look, um, I, yeah, I mean, look, I think Texas feels still has confidence in it. I, I think, look, after these visits, everybody has confidence, right? I mean, that's the reality. Um, I, I just always go back to, look, I – could the recruitment go either way? Yeah, it's been these two teams for a while. We've been saying that. Um, I, I think Texas uh, makes makes a lot of sense for Colin and his family. Um, I even had uh, one person tell me last week they think he'll stay in state. Well, he didn't go to AM this weekend, so we'll see. But, I mean, he Colin likes LSU now. I, I'll, I'll say that. The one thing about this his recruitment that's always been interesting to me is when you talk to him, you can tell how much he likes LSU. And I said that on Inside Texas when I was there in May. It's easy to tell how much he likes LSU. Um, there's also a part to his recruitment that uh, being as close to Dallas is is very important if the family stays in Dallas. So that would help Texas a great deal. Um, so we'll see which way it goes. But, look, I think Texas remains with confidence in that. Ask me again Tuesday night, and maybe things change. <laughs> Well, Bobby, why don't you tell everybody about the Crossoak Group before we continue on with questions? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, on Texas Football is brought to you by the Crossoak Group. Crossoak is one of the leading government affairs firms in Texas, specializing in lobbying, political communications, business development, and regulatory compliance. These days, government finds ways to impact nearly every aspect of your business. With de decades of experience ranging from the State House to the White House, Crossup Group helps its clients hedge risk and protect and grow their bottom lines. To learn more, go to www.crossoakgroup.com. That's www.crossoakgroup.com. We appreciate their sponsorship of the Sunday Night Livestream. Uh, somebody asked about Jalen Gilbo. I want to answer that. He walked right by me Thursday in Austin. Looks great physically. Uh, I think he's good, Bobby. I think he's good to go for, for August 2nd. That would be huge because they need – they need numbers behind Jade uh, Barron. I had to find it there. Sorry about that. <laughs> I found it eventually, though. Well, we've had lots of questions uh, about Oklahoma and Alabama. So let's start with Oklahoma for a second. This next one is from John Johnson. And he says, has Oklahoma been outperforming expectations in recruiting? I think yes. I Look, I think Oklahoma's Oklahoma. Right. I mean, <laughs> What is if that? They're mean? Not, if they're not recruiting top 10, they're falling below expectations. Right. Agreed. Um, and Brent Venables is a good recruiter. He's a better recruiter than Lincoln Riley ever thought about being. And I don't mean that like Lincoln Riley is a good recruiter in some ways, but Brent, Brent Venables was a great recruiter for Bob Stoops as an assistant, was in a great, a great recruiter at Clemson as an assistant. He's going to be a good recruiter as a head coach. I mean, that, that's he was a great recruiter at Kansas State, by the way. Back, way back. I mean, he, he was getting guys. He he had Kansas State getting guys over, I mean, Texas Tech, Baylor, all of that stuff in the Metroplex back in the day. Um, so, you know, I, 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 I think he's going to be a good recruiter. His issue isn't going to be whether or not he can recruit. It's whether or not he can put it together on the field. I agree, 100%. Well, let's jump over to some Bama-related questions. This one from Gamers Life. He says, if all the wide receivers are healthy, come to come the Bama game. What do y'all think the rotation looks like? Mitchell, Whittington, Worthy. 
Nayor, Moore, Cook. That's How much those freshmen play on the road week two? We'll see. I think, I think be that might be a dance with the one who brung you game. <laughs> yeah, well, and maybe it should be. Yeah, it should you know, be. Um, it, it, it'll depend how those two play early in camp, would yeah. be my guess when they play. Um, but I, I don't see Nayor, I don't see Nayor beating out A.D. Mitchell no. uh, at this point, um, even though I think he, he might. I will be interested to see if Sark does any double runs with um, – Nayor and Mitchell on opposite sides at some point this season. It's hard to give teams that look. It's really hard. Well, let's talk about the running game for a second. William Nee says, do you think the Texas running game averages four yards or more against Bama? Last season, Texas averaged around 2.4. When's the last time a team averaged more than four yards or run against Alabama that didn't have a running quarterback? That's that would be my first. That would be my first question. I, I, I'll say I'll say this: Alabama will play to take away the run. If Texas averages four yards a, a rush against Alabama, it's going to be a hell of a good season. No, I mean that's the way I put it. <laughs> that's a great. Yeah. I agree with that comment. <laughs> I mean, I don't know any other way to put it. If they get there, then people are going to have fun watching Texas the rest of the season. There's going to be guns blazing, that's for it sure. Will that, that will easily be the best front seven Texas plays all year. <laughs> well, we have a super chat from Jordan Bonner, and he says, how much does PK scheme affect recruiting top edge recruits? Recruits Should he look to tweak or change his scheme if it is part of the issue? Y'all's thoughts? I don't think it really hurts. I mean – Look, they call it a two four five. It could be as well a four two five. It doesn't hurt recruiting edges. What has hurt is they've missed on a couple. Um, you know, they get Colin Simmons. It's not going to be about that anymore. Uh, the problem I have right now is they came into a system where they didn't have an edge. Let's just be clear. They they had they brought in Ovia Gufu, who was a backup at Notre Dame. They had to play Jacoby Jones, who was a small defensive end in that role. And as soon as he went out that year, Jet Bush had to play that role. They, that It's not that they're having problems with recruiting guys. They recruited plenty of edges. Ethan Burke, Colton Vosick. The question is, are they looking for this elite guy? And the reality of it is, is Colin Simmons is the first one that's really come along for. I don't think it's PK's scheme at all. Jerry? Uh, yeah, I agree. I, I think what you fight in recruiting is until you get a guy and he ends up being a draft pick, people that have had draft picks are going to hit you on, well, are those guys developing? Well, th- and so until you get one of those guys, if Baron Sorrell ended up being a drafted player by chance, if Pop Sorrell's on here, we're hoping for, we're hoping for you, um, then that changes the way te- teams kind of question kids whoa, whoa, whoa have they got have they developed a pro over there at edge because we've done all this that's where you get hit until you do it and that doesn't mean pk hasn't done it at washington but that doesn't matter boise boise that, i mean that matters, two in one year it matters what you're doing now with that stuff so that's that that's it's no different than look i wrote an article inside texas about 32 five stars that texas assigned until Bijan last year, one of 25 draft eligible had been a first-round pick. That's dismal under the Mac Brown years. Now, some were injured. There are some things go on. But 
Now that Bijan got drafted, Kelvin Banks is on the right track. Tavion Sanders is on the right track. Sark's got a different song to sing in recruiting. He just wiped out one of those things that people were hitting Texas on because he had Bijan as a first rounder last year. It doesn't mean he, they're the reason, but they still, to Shard Choice, those guys still coached him. But then you're going to have Jatavion Sanders as a probably second round pick. Kelvin Banks should be a first round pick. So you got three years in a row of five star guys who are about to get drafted at Texas. That hasn't happened before <laughs> in three classes in a row, I don't think. <laughs> So that's this is that's what matters right now. Speaking of the number three, this next question uh, from Balm City Blue Jay says, "Any chance we don't see Arch till year three? Do y'all see Malik getting a chance next year, or is it straight to Arch? Also, do you see Malik transferring?" And it's super chat, so we want to thank Balm City Blue Jay for that. I think it's a. I don't think you'll. I think you'll definitely see him before year three. Will he start before year three? Most likely, um, would yeah. be my guess. Um, well, it, it depends whether Quinn Ewers comes back for us for another year. Um, but I, look, I think that the reality here is, uh, whether it's Malik Murphy, Arch Manning, whoever, um, I, I don't see Sark playing favorites like that. Malik's going to get a chance. Arch is going to get a chance. Quinn Ewers is getting a chance. They're all going to get a chance, right? The, the question is, who do you think will come out on top? of that group. And for, for me, I mean, I think, I think Arch is more talented than Quinn. So it's, it's just one of those things that long-term I'm really, really high. I think Malik Murphy is showing like he's going to be an NFL quarterback right now. So it's going to be hard for Arch to beat out him or Quinn Ewers, just like it is Quinn Ewers keeping on holding on to his job. And that's, that's a great thing about it right now. I, I just don't, can Malik transfer? Yeah, but I could see anybody transferring. Well, wait, I, I, wait I was, games play. If Arch doesn't look like he's playing until year three, I don't think he's playing at Texas. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to be real. I mean, that's not the way this business goes. Uh, that's not the way it goes. Um, and I'm just I'm going to say, yes, we'll see him before year three. I think Quinn will have a good year. He'll go off to the NFL. Um, and my prediction is Arch will be the starting quarterback. That's not a disrespect to Malik Murphy. I think there'll be a great competition. I just think Arch will come out on top. Well, lots of depth at the position. There's no doubt about that. And that brings me to this next question from uh, Felipe Velasquez. And they say, we are starting to build some solid depth. Immediate playing time used to be a good sale, but are recruits willing to sit in a mediocre program? We don't have the cachet of an Alabama, Georgia, or Ohio State. What are y'all's thoughts on that? Well, I, I agree, but Texas doesn't desire to be a mediocre program. I agree. Uh, so, I mean, you know, and, and I, I agree that right now Texas doesn't have the cachet of Alabama, Georgia, or Ohio State. That's not from lack of trying by Steve Sarkeesian at this point. So let's see where this year goes. If they if they come out with seven or eight wins this year, then I agree with you that, that, that something went wrong in the making of the, of the cake, right? So I feel like let's wait until we see what they do this year. Ten win seasons – have a way people like to be on a winning team. I'm just, it's, I've seen it too often in recruiting over the last 30 years. Winners, winners get more players. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Our next question from East eight says we return a lot of our defense, but buck will and boundary safety are all in flux and they stack behind each other on defense. Are there any thoughts and concerns about that? 
Well, I mean, I think so. Jalen Catalan is not the, the problem. There is if if he's healthy enough, he's a three year starter if he's healthy. So let's take take that in. The fact that Buck and Will stack behind each other is not necessarily always the truth, depending on how an offense aligns. Um, so I, I I hear that, but I'm not overly concerned about the fact that they stack all behind one another. Um, especially because I don't think, like, I'll give you an example. The, the strength of Mo Blackwell, if he's the will, will be pass, will be in the passing game. Okay. in disruptive plays. So I don't think he hurts you from a tack, from a, uh, from a passing perspective. I think if David Benden is in there or Anthony Hill, I don't think he hurts you from a run boundary safety. I think Jalen Catalan can do both. You know, I, I don't know. I, I have a hard time thinking that that's really stacked right behind one another, I guess, uh, from a true percentage. Plus, I mean, they're all on the weak side. Or they're all on the uh, boundary side. And so flow goes towards them on a play that side. It just it, it's 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 a little bit minimal there. Well, you mentioned Catalan. And uh, Derek says, is there a Catalan update? If he's wearing a green jersey on Wednesday, he's probably not playing this year, right? Oh, no, that no, 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 no. They may give him a, a do not touch for three weeks. Let, let's be clear. If he I that would of almost every player, I think he would be the one I would be least surprised had a, a green jersey on on uh, this week. Uh, because they you know what he can do. He's done it at a high level before. And I, I think I just don't think you want him getting nicked up. 100% agree. You want him healthy for Bama. Let's play some of rice. Okay. Get accustomed to playing with those guys in a game, but you want him for Bama and after. Let's jump over to some Super Chats, guys, because we got them stacking up here. This one from C Clear. And he says, fellas, how do I get Texas to take a look at JT Sanders 2.0 out of Alcoa, Tennessee? Eli Owens. His mama said if Texas called, he'd listen. He's a stud. <laughs> well, <laughs> You just did. <laughs> we'll make we'll make sure that it gets to the appropriate people. <laughs> there you go. Five dollars well spent, it looks like. <laughs> All right. This next one is from Dax Kim, and we want to thank him too. And he says, Is Texas in an NIL battle for Simmons, Jerry? Bobby? Oh, I think it's <laughs> definitely part of it. I mean, yeah, for sure. Look, I think it's a it's it's in it's in the everything battle for Simmons. Yeah, it's everything about every aspect of a program right now is what it's down to, um, and so uh, I expect Texas to be competitive in every category, and that's what they're trying to do right now. Um, obviously, uh, the the issue with NIL is it can't be used to lure a recruit, but what can be said is hey, these are what guys before us made, and so that those are going to be real conversations that have to be had and. It's not just Texas that's having those. I mean, OU, LSU, AM, it's it's college football right now. So to say, is it an NIL battle? I mean, I, I don't know one that doesn't have some version of NIL mattering to a degree. Uh, the question is, is how big of a degree? And we don't know that. Yeah. And especially with the guys that are left. Yep. It's on the board. Okay, we, our next super chat is from UT Boy, and I got to thank him. He says, I think Blake is way underrated in his live chat role. Hook on. Well, thank you, UT, UT Boy. I John T. Cook it. agrees. 
<laughs> and then one more super chat for right now, guys. This is from Kyle Witherspoon, and I know y'all touched on it, but for those just tuning in, can you run down again the latest Gary Patterson news very quickly? As of three forty-five, um, he had uh, earlier today. He had not, still not made a decision. But uh, obviously, that decision has to come here pretty quickly, um, next twenty-four hours or so. Uh, but it, uh, he still has not made a decision based on what myself and Bobby are hearing. Does that mean he has and it's not announced? That's quite possible. But we have not heard of a final decision being made. All right. Thank you, Jerry, for the quick summary. And this next question uh, from Jake Riddle says, and he's going to put you on the spot, who would y'all say is the next person to commit to Texas? Also, who is a must-get for this class? Um, I guess he's, I can't throw a basketball or 2025 out there. <laughs> um, so, um, look, I, I think uh, next guy to commit 2024 – I'm trying to piece. I think Wardell Mack may be a guy that decides here pretty quick between Florida, Texas. I'm not counting out LSU or Florida State, but I think if he makes a decision here in the next week or so, that could be Florida or Texas. So that, uh, and I'm not saying that's going Texas way. Um, so I think that is, uh, I think that's something uh, he's, he's guy maybe I have, I'm looking at. Uh, somebody asked about somebody some Port Nature's Groves fans are in here. Texas really likes where they're at with Jackson Christian, a 2025 offensive guard who plays right tackle for PNG. He was in Austin again Thursday. Um, I haven't put in an RPM yet, but I'm thinking about it. I, I think Texas is in a pretty good spot for Jackson Christian. Obviously, one of the top basketball guys for Texas, uh, Cam Scott, he announces August 11th. I think Texas is in a pretty good spot there headed in this week. My question, Jerry, are on two guys. Zena Umiozulu, TJ Lindsay. Yeah. Those two are maybe before the season. Brandon Baker, late August, we think maybe. Yeah. Um, uh, and who is the must get? I think we've been talking about him a lot. <laughs> yeah. Colin Simmons. Yeah. Colin Simmons is the only guy I have circled as a must get recruit this year. Um, doesn't mean other guys aren't great players. That doesn't mean it, right? Yeah. That's, that's just a category for one, maybe two guys in a class. Arch Manning was it last year. Arch Manning was it. You know, Kelvin Banks was that type of guy in the class. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, TJ Lindsay, I didn't mention in the open, but I need to. Um, that's still Auburn versus Texas. I think Auburn has had some confidence there for the last uh, week or so. Um, Auburn's been on a good run in recruiting. They Big flips from Bama to Georgia. Yeah, I mean, big time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Auburn's in the game. They're, they're very much in the game in recruiting. Um, so look, can Texas overcome that? We'll see. Texas has had contact with TJ Lindsay in his camp this weekend multiple times. It's still a battle. We'll see which way it goes. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. 
With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. Okay, well, Victor Umbadis, I hope I'm saying that right, probably butchering it, says, Jerry and Bobby, when Nayor and Whittington have great seasons, what round do they project in the NFL draft? I think Whittington's a late round guy. I mean, I I think, you know, the injury history there with him, those guys tend to get dinged a little bit. Um, A lot depends on how those guys run and never just how he looks this year. I think if Nayor looks good, he doesn't have to put up stats to be a guy that did impresses NFL, uh, the NFL come combine time or workouts time. I, I think he's got a chance. I think he's had some good tape at Wyoming. So if he shows he bounced back off an ACL and his cut, his cutting skills, the in and outs of the cuts, um, the ability to not gear up, but it's geared down coming off a major knee injury for a wide out. If you can gear down and create that separation, um, I, I, I could see him. I, I don't know about you, Bobby. I can see Isaiah Nair being a third or fourth round pick without having a huge year statistically. Well, here's the issue. Um, he is – he profiles two through five. Yeah. If that makes sense. So his yeah. combo of height, weight, speed, yeah. catch radius, he, he that's his profile. Jordan Whittington at best is four through seven for the same reasons. Not a high-end four-three guy. Right. You know – he he he's not Tyler Lockett, for example. Right. Where exactly he's just a burner. So he profiles later. Um, the thing with Whittington that's gonna have to happen, okay, to play his position on the pro level, you know how many drops he needs to have this year? Zero. Zero. Yeah. Zero. Because you're you don't get to play that position in the NFL with two or three drops. Not a third and three drop that was catchable against Washington in the Alamo Bowl. Bad, poor, relatively poor pass, catchable. And these guys, you don't do that and go, you don't do that and go in the third or fourth round. You you end up being an undrafted free agent. And and it's the good, it's the good thing for all the Texas wideouts. They're catching passes from a first round level arm. So they get to catch the football against guys that are similar in the NFL in terms of arm talent. And that does help the Texas wideouts this year. Sure. If they catch the football, I'm a big Jordan Whittington fan. Um, I, I think he actually is better after the catch underrated after the catch. Agree. More so than many. I mean, I just think he's really good. Actually. The issue is he's got to be ultra, ultra consistent to have any kind of ceiling to play in the NFL. I mean, it can't even be a thought otherwise. <laughs> Uh, Christian's asking about McKinley. If Texas gets Lindsay's McKinley a numbers buster, I think Texas would take both those guys. The chances of getting both those guys, I'm not going to sit here and say it's high. Texas would be more than happy if they got one of those guys. But if Lindsay committed, happened to commit to Texas over Auburn, and then McKinley wanted in, Texas isn't turning McKinley down. I can tell you that. All right, our next question, guys, is from Longhorn and Super Chat. And he says, the intensity in fall versus spring is palpable. With starting jobs on the line, playing time on the line, explain how intense it is and how different it is in August, especially for the young guys. I think there's going to be great competition on the offensive line in fall camp. I mean, Cole Hudson is coming back off injury. Um, DJ Campbell is having a great spring until he got hurt. Um, You have Neto, who really coming on this spring. 
Cam Williams is going to be cross-training at both tackle spots. We had a question earlier. Somebody asked, is Neto going to take over for Kelvin Banks? Man, everything I hear kind of is like, okay, Cam Williams could start after Christian Jones graduates, then move to left tackle for his final year at Texas. I mean, that's that Texas thinks he can play left tackle. I think there's going to be great competition on the offense. Connor Robertson coming back off an injury, right? Bobby, there's going to be great competition on the offensive line. Um, and they're going to have a rotation. They're playing a rotation this year. So guys are competing for legitimate starting spots and rotation time. Yeah, it's, it, the offensive line is definitely one piece of it. Um, the difference between spring and fall is the margin for error, okay, and the timing. So the spring is really six weeks long for mm-hmm. spring practice. Uh, they have They have, if you think about it, in the middle of it is spring break. They've got – two or three days, they extend on into an extra week, all of this other stuff. It's more of a, okay, let's really learn this stuff and get it done. In fall, I'm telling you now, these young freshmen, they've got two, they've got two weeks to bust a grape. If they don't, you know, here's the practice squad. So, and I'm not saying that, in it, that's no different from anywhere or any other place. That's why the intensity those first two weeks in fall camp, more boy, you want to you don't want to be injured the first two weeks if you're a young guy because you will get you'll get relegated essentially, right? And so, um, just more time sensitivity is the big thing for me, and it's and it, there's a reason for that. I mean, the first games first week of, of September, so it's a week it's a month away essentially. It's hard to believe, for sure. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. I'm not complaining by any means. Jerry, this next question is for you. It comes from Damon Chandler, and he says, I hear all this hype about junior, wide receiver, DeCorey, and more, but between him, Hudson, Cook, and Stewart, who's the best? How are they similar? How are they different? So I put athletically, UT boy, don't come after me about this. Stewart, (laughs) DeCorey, and more athletically, naturally, are on a little bit of a different level. Uh, I think Cook's then. Right, right below them, I think Hudson is right below that. And that doesn't mean Hudson's not going to play in the NFL. I'm not saying that. I think he's a tremendous receiver. I haven't come across many wide receivers that play soccer goalie. Okay? Uh, he's got great hands. Um, Stewart and DeCorey and Moore move a little different athletically. Their ability to accelerate and gear up is different than a lot of guys, but then their ability to gear down and create separation out of cuts is – those guys are just cut from a different cloth athletically a little bit. They're very gifted guys in that regard. So DeCorey and Moore is that. He's 5'11". He's going to be 190 pounds probably a year from now. He's probably 175 now. He's going to be 190 pounds in college. But he can, he's what impressed me about DeCorey in person in May, even though he was a little late getting out to the practice, he can go. He was racing vertically, off, getting off the line, and racing by Power 5 DBs at Duncanville. But then when it was time to gear down, he was separating from those same guys on out routes or just in and out of cuts. So, and then he caught the ball, hands, uh, arms extended with his hands. I mean, DeCorian just moves a little different, but I think he's also a physical football player at wide receiver. Evan Stewart's first round draft pick. 100%. Yeah. And, and DeCorian Moore to me is the same. Those guys are kind of a little different athletically. So, if they put it all together, they're going to they're gonna be in the green room. High praise for sure. All right, guys. This next one is from East 8th. And he says, Christian Jones made a huge jump at right tackle last year. 
Chance he makes another this year feels like his ceiling is high. Also, what other players do you think are in a position to make a huge year over year jump? Talking about soccer goalies, Jerry. There you go. <laughs> Christian Jones was a soccer goalie. I forgot all about that. Do you yeah. That? Um, uh, you know, I, I think that he will make another jump uh, this year. I think he has really worked hard, from my understanding, on his past sets this offseason. Uh, that's one of the things he wanted to, to really – was given kind of a, hey, go work on this kind of thing. Um, so I think they, that he hopes that that will raise his stock. I think he, he will have a big jump. You know, I'm going to say DJ Campbell. I agree. Year over year, we'll have a big jump. Um, I'm going to go, you know, I think Byron Murphy and I think Baron Sorrell. I mean, look, he, that it was really weird to me that I watched them in the Alamo Bowl, watched Baron Sorrell all summer or all, all last season. Okay. And he got worked sometimes and sometimes he, he did the working, right? It's natural. He's, he's a sophomore, true sophomore playing against guys older than him for the most part. When he went out there this spring, he looked different just two and a half months later from the Alamo Bowl to when they started spring. I'm telling you, he looks different guys. Um, and so I would think that of all of those guys, the one that I think might make the biggest jump is him, actually. I, I got two. Um, Byron Murphy. I, I think he legitimately looks like a draft pick this year, uh, consistently. The other one I have is Terrence Brooks. Uh, uh, Terrence walked by me now. He looks good physically. Um, but I just think that's a natural thing. He got his feet wet last year. He started a few games, right? Now he has a spring under his belt. Um, another spring under his belt. He's more comfortable at the college level. I think here's the thing where I think having a better receiver core is going to help a guy like Terrence Brooks. There are no off reps in practice. You're going against dudes. Last year, I'm not sure that was necessarily the case. This year, you get you can get better in practice. Really get better in practice because of who you're going up against. It's the old Alabama thing. Those that's a great point. I mean, that, that is such a great point, Jerry. They had nobody that tested to them deep last year on those right. double moves. All right, Bobby. Well, before we move on, <laughs> when y'all getting UT boy on the live stream or interview? Well, okay. <laughs> I'll throw this one out there. If Colin Simmons picks Texas UT boy, DM me. We'll see what we can do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bobby, real quick, give everybody the rundown on the Cross Oak Group. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Sunday Night Live Stream is brought to you by the Cross Oak Group. Cross Oak is one of the leading government affairs firms in Texas, specializing in lobbying, political communications, business development, and regulatory compliance. These days, government finds ways to impact nearly every aspect of your business. With decades of experience ranging from the State House to the White House, Cross Oak Group helps its clients hedge risk and protect and grow their bottom lines. To learn more, go to www.crossoakgroup.com. That's www.crossoakgroup.com. Uh, remember, they have decades of experience helping their clients hedge risk, hedge, hedge risk and protect and grow their bottom lines. Uh, two things, Blake, for your next question. Yep. Working man, Stephen Houston, they may have a good discussion. It's important that your five stars are being developed and are the best players. In recruiting, that 100% matters. 
Um, and that's why I think you'll see a lot of Cedric Baxter this year, see a lot of Anthony Hill this year, John Tay Cook. Um, those they don't have to start, but if they're playing, they're having success, they're being developed in their eyes. That stuff goes a heck of a long way in recruiting. Somebody asked, I'll throw it out there real quick. Somebody asked my my pick for Texas basketball starting five. Health of the bigs is going to be big there, but Tyrese Hunter, Max Asmus, IT Ithiel Horton, uh, Dylan Mitchell, Dylan Desu could be an interesting starting five if they go with three guards. If not, it'll be Brock Cunningham because he can space it and shoot it. All right, guys, we got some more Super Chats we need to knock out of the way if I can find them here. Uh, Curtis Huzar uh, says, is there a, an op or opportunity for Baxter to be running back one by midseason? Thank you for the 444, by the way. Um, <laughs> yes, That's a new one. Um, look, I, I, Bobby and I agree. I think we, we think Jonathan Brooks is the starter this year, barring injury. Um, we, think, we both think he's going to have a really good year. Uh, Cedric Baxter, I think, is going to have – I think he's going to do well. I think people that saw him in the spring game have to understand he only had one run where he actually had some pretty quick daylight. He may be – you know, where Jaden Blue had a, real, a couple of good daylight opportunities, uh, run the daylight opportunities. Cedric didn't really have that in the carries he had. I think Cedric's going to perform really well. I actually think he'll perform really well against Rice. Uh, but – I, by no, running back one by midseason, I think the only way he's the starting back, the first guy out there is if Brooks is injured. I think those two guys will play well together, and um, I'm sure Bobby agrees. I'll tell you one thing. I think he could be, and, and he could beat out Jonathan Brooks. I don't think he will, but he could. Um, if he, One of the best things about him coming in early, Jerry, is that he's going to be able to pick up uh, blocks in the passing scheme. Yeah. Much easier now. It's it's not this foreign. For, I mean, I, I know this sounds weird, but going from high school to college, the most difficult thing for a running back is to actually figure out who to block on passing downs. Yeah. Um, where is the blitz coming from? Uh, they figure that out. Then then the world is his oyster, in my opinion. That's 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 Cedric Baxter's big thing because he's going to have the size. He's going to have the speed. He's going to have the ability. You know, we'll, we'll see. Jonathan Brooks has two more years experience than him in that. Uh, Noah LeBig asked, he joined late. Is Colin let any school know where he is ch has ch choosing or has chosen? Um, look, man, that's that's a, it's a dicey question. I mean, there's a lot of guys that uh, maybe say yes on visits and have said yes on visits multiple times, but until they go public, it just doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, this is a this is a scenario where you, you got to realize this is going to be fight until the end, period. Yeah. Somebody yeah. just asked, how good is Jonah Williams, linebacker, safety linebacker out of Galveston Ball? I think he's a very good prospect. Um, I think he's kind of narrow. He doesn't have the natural linebacker build. Uh, kind of a narrow kid, good baseball player as well. I think he's a solid prospect. Um, I, I know maybe some have ranked number one linebacker in the country in the 25 class. He's never played it. Um, I, I would have actually liked to see him go to IMG this year to see uh, that maturation process at linebacker early, get that started. But I didn't think that was going to happen. So he is staying at Galveston Ball. I don't think he'll end this class as number one linebacker. I think he's a solid prospect. Interesting. All right, guys, we're going to go back to Simmons for just a second here because we have a super chat from Michael Mosley. And he says, how does Simmons stack up athletically compared to Hill and Gillette? They seem to be similar size and is a jack slash buck move for those two possible. 
I so I think Simmons football playing speed and quickness is better than both of those guys. I think if you go out and put guys through a combine testing pre knee injury, Gillette may have blown the top off of it, but it's almost like the old, and I'm not saying it's almost like the old dat win thing. The guy played really fast. I think Collins a really good athlete that plays really explosively quick. Um, so I think he's got that component. I think Colin would run a great time at 6'3", 235, and the 40, the shuttle, the L-cone. But I think he even plays faster than what he'll time. So I think he maybe is a step ahead as far as on the field speed. And Darian Gillette's a tough one because, one, he missed his senior year. But, two, he's never concentrated on a position in high school. So you saw the raw athleticism, but what you never got to see because of where he was at and how they had to use him was – if he played every down as a rush linebacker, what would he actually look like on tape? Would he get comfortable? And that athleticism doesn't flash for one out of every four plays, but it starts to flash three out of four plays. Then it's a different conversation. But I think Simmons just moves at a different level in a game. And that's not a knock on the other guys. I mean, but Anthony Hill is a downhill missile. Um, I, I don't think he would test like the other two guys would. I'm going to say this. Um, I think that that uh, I see Hill and Gallette as more powerful type of athletes. They're power based, whereas Simmons is more this a little bit more of a leaf athlete type. Just athlete. twitched up, right? Yeah, it just I think you're you're comparing a little bit different type of player. That's yep. all. Um, I don't know what you say about a guy that has 33 tackles for loss, though. That can't hasn't already been said. I mean, come on. That's just ridiculous. Yeah, Curtis, Curtis, I, yes, center backs are worth four. I love the 444. Yeah, I was just reading that one. All right, I got four. <laughs> this is a good question here from East Eight. Which running back do you trust in pass protection? With wanting to go more 11 personnel, I feel this is overlooked as a talking point. They trust two right now for sure Jonathan Brooks and Keelan Robinson. I think it's two different questions. So who do you trust on the road at Bama and who do you trust at Rice is different. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, right. no, I, I, I agree with that. Your, yeah, to your point, and if we're talking Bama, the game that's really game two, they're going to trust Jonathan Brooks and Keelan for sure. Yeah. 100%. But let's see where – let's – hey, that's the good thing about him having gone – Cedric Baxter having gone yep. through spring. I'm just telling you guys, they don't, they've seen enough reps now. Or they will have this time a month from now to make that call. Whereas, you know, Cedric Benson, for example, Mac didn't play him against OU halfway into the season because he's worried about picking up the blitz. <laughs> um, you know, my point being that, that that is a big piece because you can't afford to get your quarterback hurt, period. Not against Rice, not against anyone. So. All right, Jerry, you're about to be put on the spot. Tyler Davis says, one word answer, Jerry. Does Texas finish with the top five class? Yes or no? Maybe. <laughs> hey, that's a one word answer. I love you. <laughs> Look, I mean, there's five five star recruitments hanging out there. If Texas happens to win three of them, they're going to finish with probably the number four or five ranked class. I can't predict that right now. I mean, th these are, these recruitments are. Old big boy recruiting battles. And so I think I don't think Texas is gonna get shut out. I don't think Texas is gonna run the table on. Uh, I think tech but Texas needs to win two or three. 100 percent agree. Okay, guys. Sergeant Single Shot says, 
Over under, Texas averages 35 points, 35 plus points per game this year. Well, I've got to say this. I've got to answer this because I talked to the one and only Phil Steele earlier this week. Or <laughs> Great interview, week. by the way. I, I, I did talk to him. He had all these stats that he does that are just, they're a little mind numbing, if you know what I mean. You like, you read into them. He had Texas somewhere above 35. I can't remember exactly what, I think it was 39 at one point. Uh, but long story short, I, I would take the over at this point. Uh, it just, I again, Steve Sarkeesian is known for his ability to develop people on offense. If he can convince Quinn Ewers to become a distributor and ask him to become a distributor to four NFL, five really, if you count JT Singers, receiving guys are going to be in the NFL. They can just get that going. There is no telling where this offense ends. I mean, I'm just. I, I want to add this. Uh, Bobby and I were actually talking about something similar to this the other day. When we were both doing our best heat stroke walk and hundred degree heat index. <laughs> and what Bobby said to me is interesting. If Texas goes out and beats the brakes off of Rice, and you get a sixty point game, then. Yeah, I mean, look, if you have the ability to beat the brakes off of a Rice and a Wyoming early, so your numbers can get skewed. To me, I look at Texas, are they going to average 35 a game against the meat of the schedule? Um, I certainly think they can. I'm still a little unsure about how losing a possession a game is, is going to work um, with the running clock on first downs. I think that could affect all these stats things and scoring things we talk about. I'm not sure points will, will be affected as much as stats for players over the course of a season. But I do think Texas has the ability to average 37 against the meat of the schedule this year. I got the numbers. The, he Last year, Texas averaged 34 and a half. This year, he thinks Texas will average 39 and a half. It's a good number. That would be an over. That would be an over. Okay, guys, we got time break. Couple more questions here. And you know, I always save the loaded ones for last. <laughs> so here's the first one. Maybe it comes, it comes from Freddie Cordova. He says, Let's say Texas hired y'all for recruiting. How would y'all recruit certain players and convince them to come to Texas? <laughs> yeah, that, I I don't even want to go there. I mean, I, look, I mean, I, I'm one of those guys that say Texas sells itself, but you have to be the salesman to sell it, right? I'm not necessarily that guy. <laughs> but I would harp heavily on being the state's flagship institution, the alumni network, uh, the ability to go pro, the ability to make money through NIL, highlight all those factors, being tutored and uh, reared by guys that have created multiple NFL guys at every single position on the field. I mean, that, that's where you, you really try to hit them. Uh, and I think Texas has that right now, going to play in the best conference in college football. Um, a, a Bobby covered, what I was going to say, so I'll jokingly say I was at TJ Ford Academy last week and I took a photo with Vince Young and TJ Ford standing next to each other. I'd probably uh, get a recruit to both of those guys and, and, <laughs> and, and let them talk about how their lives changed by going to the university of Texas. That's, that's, that's like Michael January, Jerry, yeah. that we, that conversation we had, it's pretty, pretty enlightening. If you didn't, if folks didn't see that, but you know, you can't get a better endorsement of a university than a guy that's sitting there and he's in his fifties. He's seen it happen. He's lived, he's lived his life, right? 
and he's seen that network work for him yeah. and for people he cares about. Not just himself. I mean, he may not even have needed it this whole time, right? Yeah. But he's seen it work for people that he cares about. And he's yeah. seen other people care about him as well. Yeah. That, that's that's meaningful to people. And it'd be meaningful to me as well. So, 100%. And of course, as I said last couple of questions, we have four Super Chats rolling. So, let's get to those <laughs> real quick. UT Boy again says, Jerry, if Derek Williams would have enrolled earlier, would he be more in the mix to play early? I think Bobby and I both say yes, uh, because he's in such an intriguing prospect because his upside is that of a first, second round pick. I'm telling you, at the Under Armour game in practice, he had the feet of a corner in drills with the DBs. I mean, his feet were right there with Manny Muhammad and other guys. Um, but he's also interesting because he played at Westgate, small school, New Iberia, one state his junior year. So he played corner. He played safety. He played running back. He kind of played wherever. So similar to Darian Gillette, he's got to concentrate on one position truly for the first time this year in college. So that if he was an early enrollee, I think that would have sped up his development greatly. Okay, next Super Chat, guys, is more of a jokingly comment from KD35, I am the best. He says, anyone here in the group chat spend the $102,000 on the Arch Black Panini one-of-one one card? I'd love yes, to have top it. Right corner. Top, top right corner. No, 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 no. Hey, Congrats, guys, Bobby. Actually, I'm very happy for you. So I'm going to go ahead and say this. Now, I'm going to go ahead and say this. Uh, I know the person that did buy it. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Crazy. That's yep. interesting. And what's interesting to me is it actually costs more than 102 because they have to pay these broker fees. Right. Oh, yep. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, it was, uh, I got a text about, I don't know, seven or eight o'clock last night. Congrats. I mean, it's one of one. It's it's for charity too. I, right. I think that yeah. was part of it. Very cool calls for sure. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. Now we know Bobby texts himself from his burner cell phone. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Go ahead and put yeah. it up on the camera. Oh, sorry. Bobby's Bobby. wife bought it and gave it to yeah. him. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I like it, by the way. <laughs> We got more Super Chats rolling in too, guys. So 817, a.k.a. Mr. Talk Too Much, says, I need some good news after last night. Give me some good news on the human hit stick. Hashtag oh, Rangers man. over everybody. Man, well, look, I was at Marshall last week, and so a lot of times what I do is I'll ask some of the four or five players on the team, hey, give me your opinion. What's a player going to do? It was 4-1 to one LSU on Josh Lair for five kids I asked at Marshall. So – um that's that if those kids are right at Marshall I think he's leaning to LSU but LSU's picked up more DBs so we'll see it's Baylor it's Texas um it's LSU and I can tell you the coaching staff over there as of last week didn't have a feel for which way it was going um so it's it's very interesting recruitment uh by the way Gary Fortenberry I know we have another um Super chat. Gary Fortenberry said something that we need to comment on. The best college football team culture really is like a band of brothers, not quite, quite, but close. If you guys haven't watched the 05 series on Longhorn Network, I suggest you do it because something that Matt said I think is so true, the best teams are player-led teams. And I totally 100% agree with him on that. Uh, and that's what you're talking about last year with the Texas basketball team. Not that Rodney didn't do a great job holding it together, but you want your players to lead. You want Jabari Rice and Brock Cunningham to lead that team 
because you're not with them all the time. Steve Sarkeesian talk, says the same thing, by the way. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think you're ever going to find a, a, a football coach that does it. I mean, look, there are going to be guys like Bill Belichick out there that are going to be trying to pull the strings behind. But Tom Brady led that team. Yeah. Right. I mean, he was the one that was working out in the summertime, not Bill Belichick. That's yeah. that's that's the measure of the team. Yep. Without a doubt. All right, guys. Jordan S. Says, I'm calling it now. Quinn puts up Graham Harrell slash Colt Brennan. There's a name I haven't heard in forever. Level numbers. Hmm. I, I, uh, <laughs> you know, Graham Harrell hopes he doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> He's in West Virginia, right? <laughs> um, I, 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 I hesitate because what Sark does is not that. No, they want to run. Um, but Mac Jones, you look at Mac Jones's number, Jerry. They are astounding. Yeah. Um, what's different is the efficiency ratings are typically higher than Graham Harrell's and Colt Brennan's um, for, for uh, Steve Sarkeesian group uh, quarterbacks, not necessarily the, the stat stuffing stuff. Yeah. And, and look, oh, oh, go ahead. Sark wants to run the football. If Quinn's having to put up big, big numbers with a lot of passing attempts, that means Texas isn't running it as well as they want with an entire offensive line back. Yeah, so that double-edged sword there for sure. Uh, Football Junkie says, I had a few coaches in Houston tell me that Hill is a 4.5 guy right now and strong as a bull. Also, who starts at safety if Catalan is not ready against Bama? I'm going to say he's talking about Anthony Hill, right? Yes, yeah. I would assume so, yeah. I mean, you got to remember, he played played running back some in high school, Jerry. Yeah. I mean, mean, one of the things is the last time he tested, he was a – mid four seven guy but that was prior to senior year that was here's the thing i'll say helping run these camps for a long time guy gets in car at 5 30 in the morning drives to event gets out of car runs at 8 a.m that's not ideal for running 40s that's why when somebody runs a 4-4 right out of the gate you say that guy's a different level fast so these kids aren't trained to run a 40 they don't wake up thinking about running the 40. So is Anthony Hill a 4-5 guy? I'm not sure he's that fast. If he's that fast, then he's going to be a hellacious football player. I'll say that at 6'2", 230. That, I mean, that's LeVar Arrington level stuff. Um, right now, who would start is Keaton Crawford. I'm not sure it's Keaton Crawford long term <laughs> uh, because Michael Taft could be back there as well. Early, I think that's the way it's going to be. I want y'all to remember, I really liked how B.J. Allen finished yep. the the spring. I mean, he was reliable back there. Like, there's a difference between being flashy and reliable. He was reliable back there more so than Taft or, or Crawford, in my opinion. Uh, that being said, do not forget about Warren Roberson at yep. this time. I, I mean, Jesse Ullman's got a great question. Yeah, I was. I'm glad he actually made it a super chat at the end because I was going to ask it earlier. Uh, Jesse says, "Does Gary Patterson and recent coaching hires equate to plus one wins?" Look, I, I think Joe D. Camillus may. I mean, if that him combined with Jeff Banks as special teams coach, are you kidding me? Does that allow Jeff Banks some time to a little less time on special teams to do other things at the tight end position? Not that he needs to, but I, I was Gary Patterson worth a win last year. 
I mean, I don't think any of us would disagree that he was worth a win or two last year. I mean, Texas started running quarters coverages because of it. I'm a I'm a big yes on that. Um, and it's not even so much this year. It's not even Patterson. I mean, I don't know if he's going to take the job or not, so I'm not trying to push him that way. But of all of the hires, Paul Christ on offense could do some interesting things from a blocking scheme if if he really gets into it with Sark. I don't know how much he's – how detailed he's going to be. Um, but to Jerry's point, and I've been talking about it here, one or two returns, blocks, yeah, uh, you know, fakes – that go the right way from a special teams perspective, those can, those can sway games, um, big plays like that. So I would hope so. I, I hope so, Jesse. Otherwise, you know, I, I think that, I think Texas has got something there, especially on special teams right now. Okay, guys, last one, unless someone puts in a super chat while y'all are answering, but this one comes from Dax Kelm. No boy. And he says, who will win a natty sooner, Texas, LSU, Texas A&M, or Alabama? God, that's the biggest karma hit of all because you know I'm going to say a and hadn't won one since 39, so they're out. I mean, um, Bama, I don't think is winning another one right now. I just don't see it. I, I don't see it. I, I think Georgia's eclipsed them. Um, I mean, dad gummit, then y'all are going to be saying, well, you're picking Colin Simmons to go uh, to LSU, <laughs> but I think Brian Kelly's going to have a good shot. Now, I'm not saying this year, but I think he's going to have a good shot. Too good a coach, too good a resume. Now he has better talent. Bama. <laughs> I, I just um, – they've got the coach. They're going to have the players. I think, you know, if they would have gotten Sam Hartman instead of Notre Dame, you would be talking about Alabama a lot different right now. 100% agree. And so – if they have somebody step up that we don't – I mean, I know what they're saying over there. Oh, we don't know who the quarterback's going to be. They have a guy step up like a Mac Jones. I mean, Steve Sarkeesian just didn't stop recruiting quarterbacks. You know, I mean, so we'll, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. All right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Sunday night on Texas Football Livestream. Of course, we want to thank Cross Oak Group for sure for sponsoring the show. Be sure to like and subscribe. We would definitely appreciate it. And don't forget to head on over to InsideTexas.com for the best in Longhorn coverage. And uh, we want to thank all of our Super Chats tonight. There were a ton, so bear with me here. Cinco de Mayor. Justin Yarbrough, UT boy, Justin Bonner, uh, bon or I'm sorry, Jordan Bonner, Bomb City Blue Jays, C Clear, Dax Kelm, Kyle Witherspoon, Longhorn, Damon Chandler, Curtis Huzar, Michael Mosley, KD35, I am the best, 817, aka Mr. Talk Too Much, Jordan S, Football Junkie, and last but not least, Jesse Ullman. So thank you, all of you guys. We definitely appreciate it. And uh, yeah, that's going to do it. So for Bobby and Jerry, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you next time.